Welcome to the Think It, Make It podcast. We're all about turning your ideas into reality with a CNC router, tips and tricks, new products, interviews with the pros, and much, much more. Whether you're using a CNC for business or hobby, we have great stuff in store for you. Let's get on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Think It Make It podcast. My name is Eric. This is episode number 26. I'm here with Greg and Bobby. And uh, what are we talking about this week, Greg? Well, I think today, this week would be a good week to talk about how to or how to know what to charge for your project, because I think that's kind of where we are. We're all almost almost completed with at least a prototype. Um, and now we need to kind of start digging into where we want to sell and how we want to do it and go from there. Yeah, that's a question we hear from customers all the time, too, asking for you know advice on how to quote. I think that's something that everybody goes through. Every single, whether you're selling CNC, whether you're doing anything, how do I, how do I charge for this? What do I know what to sell it for? I mean, it's easy just to go online and, and look at something and say, okay, I'm going to sell it for, you know, $5 less. I'm going to try to undercut them. But how do you know really what to charge, whether you're wake, making money or not? Well, I think the first thing you need to do is you've got to look at how much money you want to make an hour. So everything starts with that. So at the, at the end of the day, how much money do you want to personally make? at your business per hour of your time. Now in a perfect world, obviously when you're just starting, you know, you can't say I'm going to make $300 an hour or maybe, maybe I'll get lucky, but you know, you, you have to decide. So for instance, if this is a side business, right? I don't know, maybe um, you're, you're making $25 an hour is cool, right? It's just uh, you work a little bit on the weekend, pay, make a car payment or pay for, you know, dinner out once a week or whatever. Um, if you're looking to replace your income and do this full time, then you have to really think about what does that look like per hour, right? So if you have a job and you're making $25 an hour, that doesn't mean that replacing your income with a business means you can charge $25 an hour. It doesn't work that way because $25 an hour that you would make at a job minus taxes, minus all the things that come out of your pay is not really $25 an hour. Conversely, with a business, it charging $25 an hour for your labor for a business is also not $25 an hour because you have to also take out taxes. And depending on how your business is structured, and I'm not an accountant, but if you are an LLC or a uh, sole proprietor, then you're essentially you're going to have to pay your self-employment taxes and you know you have to basically do your own tax work for for what you're taking out of your pay where your employer would normally do that for you. Um yeah, you know, if you're a corporation that's set up a little bit differently and like I said I would consult a, a tax uh, accountant or uh to get that all worked out properly. <clears throat> so, you know, my rule of thumb is if I want to make 25 an hour, I I should be charging 50. Or double, really, or at least forty. Yeah, I mean, you really just you need to decide this. I mean, I I've you know so I've mentioned it before. My son's got a, a new business he started last year, and so I'm having this conversation with him all the time. And you know, he's quoting jobs that are fabricating and and uh, welding and powder coating and things like that. And it's like, well, what am I supposed to charge? Well, he came up with a number that he wanted to make per hour, which was a hundred dollars an hour. And at $100 an hour, now that's not all going into his pocket. 
you know, he, he, he just wants to make a labor rate of hundred dollars an hour. Kind of like when you go into an auto repair shop and they have it posted on the wall that we, we charge, you know, labor rates, uh, 125 or 90 or whatever it is. Um, so his shop rate is a hundred dollars an hour. Uh, out of that, he knows he has to pay for rent and he's got to pay his employees, electricity, all, you know, all those things come out of that. Um, but that's kind of what he worked out. So at the end of the day, maybe he's happy making 25, 30 an hour right now as a new business. And that's probably fine. Um, so you, you really have to ask yourself, well, how much money, what's my time worth, you know, and a good rule of thumb, in my opinion, is base it on what you make at your day job plus maybe 20, 25%, right? Um, so if you're, if you're making 25 an hour on your day job, you know, maybe you want to be charging 35 an hour for your, for your business. Um, you never want to go the other way. So, you know, yeah, I'm making 25 an hour at my day job, but I'm perfectly happy making $10 an hour doing my side business. Why would you do a side business if that's all you're setting your goals on, right? Everybody's aspirations for having a business usually is to improve their life in some way, shape or form. So, you know, well, wouldn't you consider that $10 an hour an improvement? I mean, it's $10 that you wouldn't have otherwise. Depends on how you look at it. Like I would not look at it that way. My, at, at this point in my life, right. And my age and, um, and stuff, if, if I am going to do something with my spare time, it needs to make me more than I would make normally, like through my job or, or at least be equal to it. Right. Um, maybe when you're younger, you know, you, you can look at it and be like, yeah, it's, it's really cool. So I have a good job. I make $25 an hour and I do this thing that I love doing on the weekend and it brings me another 10, 15 bucks an hour of, of time. And that's my fun money for the week or whatever. And that that's cool. But again, who am I or you or Bobby to tell people what they're what worth, they're worth or what right. they should be charging? But that's the first thing you have to ask yourself is what what do you want to charge per hour? What is your shop rate going to be? And keep in mind when you're when you're putting that number together in your head too, if if you just have a CNC machine and say you you went out and you bought a CNC and you spent five grand and you had the cash and you and that's it, right? So you got the machine, you got some tools, you got the software, you got everything you need. Your only real expense uh, over and above material, and we'll get into that in a minute, would be your electricity because you've got to power the machine. Now, I mean, a machine is drawing four or five amps an hour. You're really not. You're talking about pennies to run the thing. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not a real big number. Um, you start getting into like four by eight machine with three, five, ten horsepower spindles. Um, you know, now your, your, your power consumption goes up considerably. And that is something you should take into consideration. Um, but your shop rate, if that's how you're looking at it, should include your expenses. Now, if you went and you bought a machine and you're paying monthly payments for it, well, your shop rate would now have, you'd have to take that into consideration that, okay, I have a $300 a month payment for my CNC machine. So you want to divide that out because some of your shop rate is going to pay for that. Mm -hmm. So it really just depends on how you're setting things up. But you always want to take into account your, the cost of your machine because you paid for it. Even if you paid for it five years ago, you're still, you have that time that you're using the machine. So that shop rate should always be, even though you're not making payments, it may be all paid off, whatever. Correct. Yeah. I mean, you should, you should factor in your, because what if you're not looking at it from a point of, 
new um, new expense or ongoing expense, you have to look at it in, in terms of replacement or maintenance expense. Right? One of the things I've always done in other industries is taking the cost of something that we've, and you'll probably see this everywhere online, taking the cost of the machine that you're doing and what would it cost um, per year to do that. So you take your what you paid for it, um, divided by the, the total hours you use it per year, and that's how you calculate your machine time. Now, I've never really done anything like that um, physically, but it seems like a good idea to take that. So if it takes you a year, you know, what is it going to cost you a year based on how many hours you use it to run that machine? Right. And that's fine after a year or six months in business, because you can extrapolate the numbers. But if you're just starting today and you haven't run that machine at all, then you have no idea how many hours a year you're going to be running it. So you can only estimate that, you know, okay, I've got, um, I'm only doing this job on the weekends, right? So I have two, two days, 16 hours, but I don't want to spend all of that working. So maybe I'm going to block off eight hours of yep. time a weekend um, or three hours a night or however you want to do it. And then you can divide that out in, into the machine. Yeah, so if over machine. 52 weeks, you'd use eight hours a week, 52 times eight. So you're looking at about 416 hours a year of machine time. So if that's what you estimate, you can take your total cost, divide that by 416, and that's what you should be charging for machine hours a year. So a $5,000 machine divided by 400 hours is what? I should know this off the top of my head, but... 12.5. So $12.50 yep. an hour. Yep. So that's what you would charge for just to cover the cost of that machine. Now, that doesn't include electricity, but I think for, in this case, we're going to call that a wash pretty much. Yeah. It seems very low though for, yeah. to value your machine time at $12 and 50 cents. That seems. Well, that's your machine time though. So yeah, I know, but that still seems incredibly low in the scheme of things. You know, it, it, well, here's the way I would look at it. You, so there, there's a lot of different things to look at. I and mean, this could be, this, this could be a multi-part thing, but <clears throat> when you have a business, you have to look at what you're going to invest money into your business. What do you want your ROI to be? Right. I want to get all my money back in three months, highly unlikely, but maybe possible. But for an average, depending on what it is, um, maybe it's a year, yep. maybe you want a one year ROI. And if that that's the case, then your, your calculated number there could it's make 1250, sense. Right. right. But if you, you can stretch that out over two years, I mean, if you wanted to, but usually I think a good rule of thumb in the, in the industry is get your money back for the machine in about a year. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've talked to customers who've told me they've gotten it back in, you know, five, six months, which is, is great. Um, you know, when you're talking about a $5,000 machine, it's, you, you don't need to really go too far out. If you're making signs and, you know, we've seen customers that do signs that charge fifteen, sixteen hundred $1,600. You don't have to do too many oh, of yeah. to, to get your money back. Now, if you're going to go out and you're going to spend thirty, forty thousand $40,000 on a machine, well, now, now that, that changes the game a little bit, but it depends if you go out and you spend 30 grand on a four by eight machine and you, you're going to do cabinets, right? Well, your first kitchen you do could, could be a $15,000 kitchen. So you're going to make money back there. So, you know, it really depends on, you have to evaluate, you know, what is your time worth? What is your, um, your, what product are you selling? Like, what is your plan? What do you want to sell? How much money have you invested and, or are you doing an ongoing investment, meaning right. you have a loan on it? Now, the reason I said that if you bought it cash, you know, you don't necessarily need to account for that. What you should do if, if you did buy your machine cash, you should still plan to account for replacing the machine. And here's why. You, you buy the machine today, you have no work for it. 
but you come up with this great idea in 30 days and you start selling this product and it takes off, right? Now you go from, you got this new machine that you have no idea what you're going to do with it to you have this great machine that if it breaks, you can no longer make money. You're not going to fill orders, right? So you have to look at what's the replacement cost of that machine. And a lot of times, um, like in, in my past, what I would have done is I would take money out of every job and I would put it into an account that would simply be to replace the machinery or whatever equipment. Would you I'm consider using. that maintenance as well? Um, no, I wouldn't consider it maintenance because ongoing maintenance, things break or whatever. I'm talking about a catastrophic failure or you say a year from now, you decide, uh, you know, having two machines will make you twice as productive, right? Now you have the money from the replacement machine that you could use to invest into a new machine. You know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily that you're replacing the other one. If the other one's still running great, but maybe you just need to double your capacity. So you have this kind of fund put aside. Um, you know, so again, it really just depends. Like if, if you're going to do, you know, when I'm talking to my son, we're breaking down everything. I break mm. down every single thing, his rent, utilities, gas for his powder coating oven, uh, amount of electricity he's using. We know we figured out the electric costs for everything he runs. Um, you know, we, we break things down to the minute and we put it into a spreadsheet and then he goes and he quotes a job. And then what he does is he records, um, on that work order, how long it took for everything he quoted. Right. And then he, at the end of the job, he compares what it took him to what he quoted. And if he did it in less time, great. He made yeah. money. If he did it in more time, then he, he has to, to evaluate and then he can go ahead and he can adjust the spreadsheet. And so that, that's that's relatively easy when you know everything. What about writing? So we're three guys. We're starting off. We have no idea. I mean, we, we have a general idea, but we just bought a CNC machine. We don't know how long it's going to take. We don't know what we're going to need, all that sort of thing. How do you how do you start fresh like that and estimate when you have no clue? Right. Well, again, I, I think just w keeping it very, very simple, just figure out what's that number per hour that's going to make you happy, right? We're just going to consider the fact in its simplest form that you bought the machine with money that was given you um, as a gift. And uh, so so you, you, didn't, you didn't have to use any money. You don't have a loan on it, right? Your electricity for a desktop machine is negligible. So let's just put that off the table. You want to say, I want to make X number of dollars per hour. And so you have that. Now, the next thing is you got to figure out what it is that you're going to sell. Yep. Well, I, unless you're selling air, you're going to have a material cost, mm -hmm. right? So now you got to evaluate, okay, if I sell one of these widgets, um, I'm going to need this much material. And then you can go and take a look at what your material cost was. If you're making um, this first simple thing, let's just say you're making wooden coasters and you're going to buy a piece of wood at Home Depot just for convenience. Now, in a business, that's probably not your best place to go. You might want to go to an actual supplier uh, to get a better price. But let's just say for convenience, you're starting out. It's easy. Go to Home Depot. Grab yourself a board. That board might be $40, right? But you can get, let's just say, 20 of these coasters out of this one board so that your material cost is now $2 yep. per coaster, right? So now you've got to design the coaster. So that's a one-time cost, right? The way I look, I also look at it, and I, I, I talk to my son about this as well, is sometimes when you're starting out, it's an education, and educations are usually not free. 
So you may, you're, you know, you may throw a number out for something or try to do a rough estimate and realize that, okay, it took you, you know, three times as long as it should have. Um, so you didn't make as much money as you would have wanted to. Right. And, and that's okay. Um, because now you can readjust, you learn something, you knew, okay, here's the, the, the struggles I had. This is why it took longer. Um, you know, maybe there was a, a problem with your program and maybe you broke an end mill. Um, and because you broke the end mill, you had to wait and go to, you had to go to the store you know, all these things play into a fact of, of how long something takes and how much money it's going to cost to do that. Um, but after you you're done with that, you can look at it and say, okay, I, I wanted to make $30 profit on the, on this set of coasters, but at the end I only made $10 profit, right? Providing you don't have an employee and you're doing this out of your garage, you don't have rent, you don't have it. And there's no other expenses other than your time. Well, theoretically you walked away with 10 bucks in your pocket for your time. Now, what would the other, the other way, and I, I use this example all the time, if you weren't doing that job, what would you be doing? You know, if you were going to be, uh, you know, in your living room watching television, well, $10 in your garage for your time versus watching an episode of something on television is is not bad. You're still a winner. Or one other way you can look at it. I, I don't remember where I read this, but if, you, if you're really confused, you know, you don't know what you're worth, you can't really calculate that, think of having to pay somebody else to do it. What would you be comfortable paying an employee to do it for you? And start with that kind of number and go from there. What would you, what could your business handle? You know, could you do twenty five dollars an hour? And obviously, as you know, it's, it costs a lot more to hire somebody than what you're actually paying them. But if you can narrow that down to what you would pay somebody, and then kind of judge based off there. Yeah, no, yeah, you could do that too. I mean, that that's another way to look at it. Um, Eventually, that's the goal, right? I mean, it's to take somebody and and let them do it while you and and kind of go from there. I mean, you know, sometimes too, uh, like in businesses I've had in the past, I would actually call a competitor. Um, you know, if I was, uh, I used to do website designs years and years ago, right? So I would, you know, somebody would come to me and then I would turn around and I would, I would shop that design around with other designers to see. And I knew in my head, okay, I wanted to make this much money. And sometimes somebody will come back and they'll say, you know, you're, yeah, you're more money. And now if I go and I get three quotes and they're all a lot higher than mine, maybe I'm leaving money on the table, right? If I, if I find out that they're charging a lot less then then I have to readjust accordingly. Um, so you, you know, there's, there's that possibility too. I mean, I look at Etsy from time to time and I see stuff and I, I'll see this really complicated design or something, somebody's selling it and they're doing it for like $10. And mm. it's like, where are they coming up with this number? Like, that's crazy. Because they're probably not making money. They're probably doing it like we've discussed in the past as a, a hobby, a project. But when they break it down, they're, they're losing money every time they do that. So my mom has a, a business and, um, you know, she does uh, embroideries and custom shirts and stuff. And for that stuff, she has a very rigid price structure. She knows how much it costs for to get the design digitized she knows exactly how many stitches and how many thread how much thread she knows all she has software that tells exactly what that's going to cost but she also likes to make like doll stuff and things like that and then she'll go to a craft fair and then she'll she'll call and she'll be like yeah i did great i made 500 dollars. oh well that's awesome how many things did you sell well, i sold 20 
Okay, well, how much did how much time did it take you to make each one of those? Oh, I, you know, it takes me four or five hours. And then you start doing the math, and you realize, well, you just made a dollar twenty five an hour. That's, uh, you know, that that's crazy. But to her, she enjoys doing it, so it's fun. It's her way of relaxing. Yeah, she would do it whether she was making money or not. Exactly. So so to her, making that $500 on that weekend is awesome. That's the trap. I think that's the trap that people fall into in this industry, in this business, is we do this for fun. We do this, you know, on, on our last episode, we talked about all our family and friends wanting things done. We would do that just, just to make people happy. But if you're doing this as a business, these are the things you have to think about. Well, you have to ask yourself. I mean, I, I said the first thing you have to, have to ask yourself is how much an hour your time is worth. I guess the the precursor to that is, are you doing this as a business mm-hmm. or a hobby that you're going to try to make a few extra dollars in? You you have to really decide that too. Um, you know, a, a hobby, if you're doing it for a hobby and you can make a couple bucks by accident, that's kind of cool. Um, if it's something you're going to do regardless of whether you're going to get paid or not, then, you know, that's something else to consider. But I think for the purpose of what we originally started out, we're talking about doing it as a business. Yeah, 100%. So, our goal here is not not to have fun with that. I mean, our goal is to have fun, but our goal is to see what we can make this into a business. And Yeah, it's to me, it's really, I, I really like breaking down the costs. I, I enjoy doing that. Um, I enjoy when, you know, my son asked me for help. I enjoy doing that with him because... It's just interesting, and and numbers don't lie, right? Everybody has the same amount of time in a day. Um, doesn't matter who you are, um, and you your 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 things that you define are what you feel you're worth. So you plug that into a spreadsheet. Then you look at your hard costs, right? Your material costs. In the case of a coaster, it's two dollars. Okay, well, I got two dollars. If I if I have a loan, or if you want to amortize like you just did, your machine costs. I was twelve fifty, right? So now we're at fourteen fifty for a set of coasters. If you want to make twenty, uh, let's just say twenty dollars an hour, right? So that's thirty-four fifty. If the coasters, if you could finish them um, in in an hour, right? If it takes you an hour, then you're at you're you're at thirty-four fifty. So that's you know, if you sold them for that number, your 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 um, your costs are taken care of. You've got money going towards your ROI on your machine. And you've, you've factored in, um, you know, your $20. One more thing, design time. We got to add that in there. Right. So that's, that becomes a little interesting too, because if you're going to talk about design time, if you're going to spend two hours designing something. But you only have to do it once. You only do it one time. So you're, what are you, what are you going to do there? You're not going to charge to the first customer because he's the sucker who bought your first product and everybody else gets it for free. So you, you have to really think about that too. So again, and how I would do that is I would look at it and say, okay, I'm hoping that I'm going to sell 10 of these things. Spread that out. And spread it out. So, you know, it's like, okay, I, I, I it, it took me two hours. So that's $40. Um, I'm hoping I sell 10. Let's add $4 to each one. And then that gives me kind of a new, you know, a new, um, a new price to sell it for. So think about that. If you do it that way, You've covered your costs. Mm-hmm. You've paid yourself $20 an hour. You put money away for um, a replacement machine or, or to cover your ROI, right? Everything should be good, right? And, so and your profit is all in what you choose to make per hour. That's where the profit comes in. It, yes and no. So if this is just a side business that you're doing on the side with no intentions of ever growing it any larger than that, then yeah, then then theoretically that would be 
your profit at the end, if you were talking to an accountant, your profit on that particular job would be your costs, um, less your, um, your expense, your, I'm sorry, your total sale, less your expenses, right? That's your profit. Doesn't matter whether you classify it as, is it's my pay or it's profit. It's still profit. That's, that's how much money was made. Unless you're a corporation where you're drawing a salary off your business, it's, it's different. But if you're a sole proprietor, let's just say, forget about LLC and all that stuff. You're just, you decided you want to start a business. You're going down the town hall, you pay your $10 for your business license. And now you're a business. Any money you make from that point on under your business is money you personally make. So it's no different than money you make from your job. So when you do your taxes at the end of the year, you have to, you have to file what you made in your business, right? So it, it really, that would be considered profit. And then off profit, businesses pay taxes, individuals pay taxes, and you, you know, you have all those things that you've got to take care of. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's how you look at it. Now, if you're looking at building the business further than that, let's say uh, your goal when you start your CNC business is in two years, you want to do it full time, right? Now you have to take not the expenses and everything we just talked about, your hourly rate, and you have to add to that profit. You have to add additional money to that product that you're selling to cover future expenses to cover your, um, your rent, your electricity, you know, all those things, maybe you need a vehicle, you need whatever, whatever business expenses you would have two years from now, you know, if that is your end goal, you should really be thinking about adding some quote unquote profit in there that you put away towards that goal towards those things. Because let's just say you design something like these coasters and you sell them for $35 today. You're perfectly happy selling for 35 because you're making your hourly rate. Your costs are covered. Um, you're putting money away for a replacement machine or to cover your ROI. Everything's great, right? Let's just say two years from now, that coast, those coasters are still selling. They're still really popular, right? But now you move into a business and all of a sudden you find yourself having $2,500 a month in of rent overhead. and electricity yep. of overhead, right? The amount of sales that you made on those coasters and that quote unquote profit you were making that was your pay, you now have to read, read you have to divert that money to cover the $2,500 in expenses that you have before you could take money. You, I don't know any landlord that you can go to and say, I can't pay your rent this month because I had to pay myself first and then I'm paying you. It doesn't work that way. So you know, having an idea of what you want to do in the future. And I'm not saying you got to know that from day one, right, right. but after, you know, uh, several months or a year in business, you're going to decide, okay, I'm, I'm going to get out of my house and I'm going to go, I'm going to need to rent someplace. You're going to want to make some pricing adjustments at that point um, to, uh, to, to compensate for that, or you're going to find yourself not making any money. And that's why I think sitting down and talking to you about this is absolutely invaluable because I don't think people think about that. If I mean, why would you, right? You got a CNC machine, you're going to make some cool stuff, but then all of a sudden one day you're, you're a business. People want, there's a huge demand for this. And if you can think about this ahead of time, you're going to be so much better off. You're going to be so much more prepared um, that that's not going to hit you like a ton of bricks. Right. I mean, if you have a CNC machine, you're working in your garage and you leave your garage door open and a neighbor hears you make noise, turns out... He is trying to build a bookcase, right? He comes up to you and says, hey, 
can you cut these pieces or the sheet of plywood for me on that? And you're like, yeah, I can do that for you. Okay, how and, much? Right. He's like, how much? And you're just like, yeah, give me, yeah, give me yeah. 50 bucks. That sounds good. So you, yeah. So now you got a neighbor who walked by, just gave you $50 for an hour of your time, and it's cash, and you're putting it right in your pocket. I think you did pretty damn you're good. You're excited. You go right. out to eat. Right. You're good. But if you, but that's not a business. That's a guy. That's a tag sale. That's a guy walking by, and it just so happened that somebody needed something that you can offer at that point in time. You didn't have to advertise to get his business. You you didn't have a plan or 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 really well thought out. You just threw a number off the top of your head, right? And then six and a half hours later, and three hundred dollars in material, right? You're well, yeah. You're then you you're like, oh well, this sucks, you know. Um, Businesses, it's just a different mindset. It's that this is my cool machine that's a hobby. And if somebody wants to offer me 50 bucks to cut a sheet of plywood and I could put that cash in my pocket, great. It's not it's not a business. Um, if you're doing it as a business, though, you really got to look at all these different, you know, these different things. But in the end, it's 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 really not that hard to, to figure out how much something should cost. You know, it, it really isn't. Um decide your, is it a hobby or is it a business? Okay, fine. It's a business. You want to do it as a business. Okay. How much money do you want to make? All right. 30 bucks an hour. Okay. So, you know, how much time does it take you to make that thing? Now that's another, that brings up another variable. Um, let's just say that you're cutting these coasters out and the job takes 45 minutes, maybe because you have a really slow CNC machine. Um, now you're 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 45 minutes. So does that mean that where does the 45 minutes come from? Is that your hourly time? Do you bill for that? Like because while your machine is running for 45 minutes cutting that part, you don't necessarily need to stand there. You could be doing something else, right? So yeah, you got That's a great point. You have to allocate where does that time come in, right? Um so that's, that's one way, you know, one way to look at it is, is the 45 minutes of machine time where you're doing something else. Do you still bill that out as if you are hands on actually cutting that part out yourself? Now, if you make these coasters and then you got to sand them and then you got to stain them, right? Okay. Well, how much time is it going to take you to do that? And then you've got material brushes, stain, all that stuff. Um, but then you got to let them dry for an hour. Well, you're not going to sit there and bill out an hour for drying time. Right. So that's something else you need to keep in consideration. So if I were to, if I came over to your house and on a Saturday morning and you started making a set of coasters that you're going to sell, right. And you're going to put on Etsy. And then I come over Sunday morning and they're all done and they're sitting on your thing. And I ask you, well, how long did that take? And you say, well, from start to finish took about four and a half hours. Right. And you want to make $30 an hour. Does that mean that that, that should be a $150 set of coasters? Right. What do you mean by from start to finish? Well, because I had to let them dry for two hours. Okay. Well, there's, you know what I mean? There's all these different variables that you need to look at. So my rule of thumb is if my hands are on the thing to make the thing, then I should be getting paid. I should be calculating my time for okay. the thing. If my hands aren't on the thing, then don't, don't, then I, don't okay. I don't, I don't bill it out, uh, you know, for my time. But keep in mind, we're also saying that you're going to add $12.50 for, for your ROI time, right. for machine time. So yep. that kind of can come out of out of that because your your ROI is your, you know, you're putting money back towards your machine. And then one time. day maybe you should think about maintenance costs. Maybe add 10% a year to that, 10, 15% a year for maintenance. 
bits breaking, that sort of thing. But I, I think that brings up a good question. So that initial learning experience, what do you do? Do you just kind of eat that? Do you write that off as I learned? Or like, for instance, my, my lithophanes, you know, I have no idea how long they were going to take till I started one. Found out at 30% step over, it took about two hours. I'm getting that down to about half an hour, 45 minutes, and it's been working pretty well. Do I chalk that time up to, you know, do I write that off as learning time or do I... You kind of because there's a lot of experimenting you have to do, and a lot you're gonna break bits. You're gonna well. Do you write right off what time? The the two hours it took to it make took it took to to learn that it took 30 minutes to do it, but all that time I took to do that. So it took me a couple tries of two hours of time per lithophane to to learn that I can get it down to 30 minutes. Right, but out of that time, how much time did you actually spend touching the thing versus what the machine was, a, was doing. a lot more design time than okay so you know does is that all kind of chalk up at the beginning do you kind of write that off yeah because you yeah i would and 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 here's why um where can you go to get any kind of formal education for free right so let's just say you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, a nurse, whatever. You're going to go to college, right? You're going to, it's going to cost you money. You've got to pay to learn, right? So I don't know too many businesses that you can start that you're just an expert at it instantly. Now, maybe if you're um, like a PR person, you're really good with writing and you're, or you're a marketing person, you're really creative with doing stuff like that. You're, you know, you, you may have a, a natural gift to, to do that, but for the average person starting a business, especially with something that, that involves a technical piece of something, a machine, or even even for that matter, um, let's just say you woke up one day and you're an expert. You just woke up an expert in Vetric. You didn't even know it. It was just like you were born with it. It was in your DNA, right? But And so you make this product and you just you didn't have to spend any time at all learning. You just got right in there and made this thing. But now you got to sell it. So now it's going to take you six hours to learn Etsy because while you're a genius at Vetric, you're a moron when it comes to Etsy's platform and how to how to do it, right? So no matter what, there's learning involved. You know, I I, I to me when I'm whenever I'm looking at designing something new or whatever, it's a learning process. Um, and the way I look at it is, if I'm designing something that is for me personally then I'm learning because it's fun. It's no different than watching YouTube videos to learn, you know, how to tie a new knot or something like that. If you're a camper or whatever. Um, so you're always learning. I, I always tell like my kids, I always, always, you should always be learning always. Um, doesn't matter what it is. Like if you're going to sit there and watch like, you know, mindless something or other on YouTube, uh, I, you know, cats on surfboards, then I would throw in a couple videos a night of something, how to file I mean, your, your brain does need that downtime every once in a while. It, it does, but it's always good to pepper in something, you know, it's it, it to, to learn. So yeah, to answer your question, you're learning how to make something and, um, you shouldn't have to, your customer shouldn't have to pay. If you're a professional, if I hire you as a plumber to replace my toilet, and you've never replaced a toilet before, but you call yourself a plumber and you come over to my house and a job that would take a normal plumber an hour, I walk in and you're sitting there on the floor on your iPad watching YouTube videos on how to replace a toilet for two hours. Should I pay you three hours of time to replace the toilet because I'm paying for your education, right? 
So there's an there's a thing. It's a, you know it's that old adage. Uh, yeah. you're paying me for the years it took to get. You're here. paying for the yeah. the experience, but you know when I when I while I'm while I'm paying you, you know I'm assuming you've got some experience ahead of time. So your customers, are, somebody comes to you, that guy comes to you, he says he, he wants uh, you to cut a piece of plywood for him. All right, you throw a number out of your head, but if you were doing that as an actual business and somebody came to you with a sheet of plywood and said, I need you to do this, right? There's going to be a, a, you know, maybe you take six hours because you're, you're trying to figure out how to make something work a certain way. But can you really bill that guy for six hours because you didn't know how to do the one thing in there? Like there's an assumption of things you should know as a business offering a service or a product. There's, there's an assumption that you should know that. You're either going to get that over by paying for it in advance, paying for it as you go. Um, hopefully you don't pay for it after the fact, meaning you're losing money on every job you're doing, but you just, you really need to, um, to take a look at that. And I, I never charge anybody for my education. Um, if I don't know how to do something. So if you came to me and you wanted some crazy fourth axis thing and you wanted it drawn and I had to modify it and, uh, fusion or something, and I'm not familiar with 3d sculpting or whatever, um, I'm going to have to go and learn that. And that's, that's on, your, your, that's on your me. work, your work to yeah. get that job. Is, that's on yeah. me. Right. Okay. But then if I want to turn around and, and, and after I did that, I, I was like, wow, this is really cool. Right. And so now I want to start a business where I'm offering to do turned table legs and, and, and chair legs and stuff like that. Right. Now, because I know how to do it, because I put the investment in time, I'm going to get what I think it's worth to do that. So you may come to me and say, hey, I need a set of four table legs made. And I'm, I'm going to be like, okay, it's a hundred bucks a piece. And you're going to be like, wow, that's, that's crazy. It's just four pieces of wood. Yeah. But I, I just spent an entire weekend, you know, learning how to do it. Like you, and I bought a machine to do it. Right. I have all the equipment too. So there's that argument that you're not paying me for that particular job. You're paying me for all the knowledge and everything that I have to be able to do that job. And as long as you're charging people a fair rate, then, you know, nobody can really, yeah. you know, harm you, I would think. And forgive us if, if some of you out there, you know, business owners, this is kind of elementary stuff, but for people just starting out, this is stuff that a lot of people don't always think about. You know, it's tough to kind of get it down nitty gritty. I mean, it's easy to say when you have all the numbers, it's easy to crunch numbers, right? When you don't know what you're, when you don't know how long the lithophane is going to take or the coaster is going to take, when you have to experiment, that there's a lot of pre-work that goes into it. And then once you get it down, you know, you can really do what you want with it. Yeah. But that's the hardest part. I mean, it seems like that's kind of the theme here is getting started, getting going is, is the hardest part. I mean, years ago before um, I started this uh, company, I, I had a drone photography business with a couple of partners. And, um, we would get phone calls all the time. Hey, can you do this uh, television commercial? Or can you do this, um, real estate, you know, project or something like that? And it would be like, okay, yeah, we can do that. And we came up with a rate 300 bucks an hour, whatever, whatever it was. Um, but then they would throw in some, okay, I need you to do this, but I also need, I need you to do it with this camera. And now my drone doesn't, can't lift that camera. So now I have to go out and I have to you know, modify my drone to make it a little more powerful. I got to go buy a $400 battery pack for that to, to be able to support it for the time that's needed. Um, now, I, when you get into a situation like that, 
do what do I do with that customer? Do do I tell that customer, hey, okay, it's going to be you know three hundred dollars. Now it's going to be six hundred dollars an hour because I had to modify a drone or because I had to buy an expensive battery, um, or does that mean now that that customer's job helped you elevate your business to the next level? So now you can offer that increased service uh, and capacity to the next customer. So you, you might not make as much money off that first one. You might have to invest some money, but now you have the tools and the knowledge and the capacity to be able to, to bring your business to the next level. And you'll make that money back over all your future customers because of what you can offer. So that's another thing to look at. You know, if you, you start off with a small, um, two by three foot desktop machine, and you know, you're doing a lot of work and everything is fine. And then one day you decide, you know what, I really want to go to a four by eight foot machine. Well, you still have all your existing work that you're going to run on a four by eight, but you don't, you're not using that machine's capacity. But now all of a sudden you can go out and you can start marketing to people that want to do sheet stock or maybe bigger signs or whatever it is you're doing. And you're not going to charge your first customer, your entire investment for making that leap to that new machine. You're, you're gonna, right. (laughs) Right, It doesn't doesn't make sense. You're not going to do that. So you took the the leap and all that did now was it said, okay, I I had a two by three foot capacity before, but now I have a four by eight foot and I can go after so much more business now. And you know, that's, that's just another thing. And that's where, when you're pricing out stuff in the beginning and you ask yourself, okay, this is a business, right? Then out of every job, you should be putting a little bit of money away for replacing a machine, upgrade a machine, uh, upgrading your facility, adding a new piece of equipment to get there. There should be like a like so we'll a call that fund. reinvestment. Yeah, like a growth fund or reinvestment into your business. And you know, in the first example, I said where you know you paid for the machine cash, right, uh, out of money that was gifted to you, right. So it's you didn't pull it out of your savings, but you're going to put twelve dollars and fifty cents. Um, away for for that job. Now now that's going to start building up a fund to buy your next bigger machine, or you know if you had to replace it, you have the money. Um, so yeah, it's just I I look at things a lot different now than when I was younger. You know when I was eighteen and I started my first custom car stereo business, we um, it was easy from a perspective of if I bought a radio and I paid one hundred twenty dollars and I sold it to you for the manufacturer retail of one ninety nine then I knew I was going to make 80 bucks on that radio, right? Then I got to install it. And if installers were getting $45 an hour, then I knew that that it was pretty cut and dry. But now somebody came to me and they said, hey, I want you to make a whole new set of door panels for my um, Camaro or whatever, right? Now I got to look at, okay, what's the material cost? It's a custom job. How many hours? I have to guess because I haven't made Camaro door panels before. I made door panels, but not for that particular car. And I didn't take them off the car yet, so I don't know what's on un- what's underneath them. So you you have to guess. And we had some jobs where you know, I lost my shirt, but I learned a lot. And then I had some jobs that I I made more money than I probably would have, mm. you know, initially. It's just it's a win lose thing. Um, the key is if you're gonna lose money or not make as much as you want, don't make the same mistake twice. Learn from it so that when you quote your next job or you build your next product and you're setting a price for it, that you're gonna you're, you're, you're going to be a little bit better, you know, ahead for it. And then the last thing you need to look at is how are you selling your product? So you factor all this out. You're going to sell these coasters for 35 bucks. Um, then you're going to sell it on Etsy. Etsy's going to take a piece of that. 
right? You're, or if you're going to sell on eBay, eBay is going to take a big piece of it. Or Either way, you got to pay for marketing. You got to pay. Yeah, you got to pay for that sales. If you're going to just do craft fairs, right? Well, okay, a craft fair, it's going to cost you some money for that table for the weekend. So you you should also look at putting a small amount of money aside out of or into your pricing to cover your sales of that product. Um, what I'll do is on this episode, we'll do, we'll use my coaster example and I'll put on the show notes page, um, kind of a quick breakdown of what I would think about, um, when I'm trying to price out that because $2 in materials. So that's another thing too. So what if somebody comes to you and says, Oh, well, you're charging me $35 for these coasters. There's only two bucks in material, right? But there's all this other stuff that goes into it. Plus it's your design and hopefully you're not stealing it. So there's no other coasters like those on the market. And if they want yours, this is the price. You know? yeah, I think you see a lot of those pop-up Etsy figures where they're selling them for 10 bucks, you know, no big, and you're like, how the heck are they selling them for that? And they might, they might be getting a ton, but is it sustainable? You know, over time, is it going to last? And I think when you start to do this, you, you become a little bit more sustainable. So you're not going to make a hundred bucks overnight, but you're going to make money and you're going to, you're going to actually make money and not just, you know, sell 10 at 10 bucks and make a hundred bucks, but then realize it took you 200 bucks to, to do it all. Well, you know, another, another avenue we're looking at too, when you have a business is, um, especially with a CNC, are you going to sell coasters or are you going to sell personalized coasters? Right. So there's always extra money in the personalization. If you set it up ahead of time so that you've, um, you've, highlighted out a vector or an area where you're going to put somebody's last name, say in a thing in Vetric, all you're going to do is go in there and, you know, double click the text, change the last name, and then you're going to rerun your um, VCAR file or whatever to do the engraving. Or if it's a laser, you're going to, you know, re, re, um, recalculate that file. Right. But the perceived value of that, it might've only taken you 30 seconds to make the change to put Bodner instead of Royer on there. Um, but to that customer that is getting something with their last name huge. on it, it's, it's huge. So anytime you have a product and you can offer personalization, that's always an added, like, um, your, uh, extra money. You're, you're not offering personalization. You're, you're almost leaving, mm -hmm. leaving money on the table. That's, that's why I think your project, Bobby, with this, if you personalize that, I think you, you can get more return on that rather than just doing the basic stuff. Probably so. My design's not but so customizable compared to yours. There it is. Well, in the scheme of it, maybe. But yours is probably a lot more customizable with a photo. With a, a photo, with yeah. With a photo, a name, so How long on so would forth. it take you to put somebody's last name in the middle of the state of Connecticut, right? Well, based you know? on how long it's taken them to design the thing. Yeah, I, I was about to say, I don't know if I want to answer that. <laughs> but just take a magic marker and write Johnson on there, whatever the name is. <laughs> I do it is. after the fact. Do I have to program it? It's a custom handwriting font. Mm. Um, well, I mean, last we looked, Bobby's got the, the design right outside his office. Where's yeah. your uh, Where's your boxes? I haven't even touched it yet. Oh, okay. I'm I'm slacking. Touche, touche. Yeah, I'm slacking. But yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> I'm here to support you guys. I'll just come in at the last minute and just bang it out in an hour Sweet or two. And, but um, yeah, so next week, I think we're going to be looking into more of actually selling, you know, marketing. Where are we going to sell it? Where are we going to put it on? Um, I think we may have a special guest. I don't want to make any promises, um, but who's done a lot of work with Etsy. Um, maybe if, if you're listening, if you've done some work, what are some other Spotify, eBay, Facebook Marketplace? 
Um, if anybody has done any work with that, we'd love to hear from you and see, you know, what are your good experiences, bad experiences, fees, miserable experiences. We learned quite a bit about the fees the other day when they were here. Yeah. Uh, especially for Etsy specifically. There's a... Yeah, stuff that There's you a can't lot really read. You yeah. can't read online and get that. You you got to exactly. get it from from somebody who's been there. And yeah, then kind of There's a lot to consider mm. with, with that. Yeah, there's always hidden costs and you know, if your customers are paying by credit card, you got to keep that in mind. I mean, there's, there's all these different things. Um yeah, and and but you know what though? It's that way with any business. I mean, Unless you're a cash only business and you're gonna if you're gonna offer credit card, you got a percentage there. You That's what figure. Bobby wants to meet people in dark alleys and, and just change cornhole cash, boards. Yeah. Then you can uh, yeah, then you at the end of the year your books would be like, Yeah, I I sold twenty dollars meanwhile you're driving around in a new <laughs> Rolls Royce. Um you know, well it's like the guy with the hot dog carts, right? I mean They probably on. make so much money. Yeah, I don't know that they're inventory and there's no barcodes on a hot dog. They're not scanning every hot dog. It, that, you know, businesses like that have a big. Cash. Well, didn't you just open up a car wash, Walter? <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, Walter. Yeah, cash business. I wish. Yeah, but that's you know, and that's that's something you you really gotta. That's a couple go. episodes, right? Out of yeah, that's a couple tax fraud and all that yeah, good tax stuff. Fraud. We'll we'll awesome. get into that down in the future. Looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, especially after I, I just got done. Um, watching uh this mob movie the other day and that was like a big big thing that you know that's that's how they're catching him capone was caught in tax evasion mm-hmm. not for murdering people oh yeah so well that yeah. wasn't how he was caught it's what he went to, to went to went to jail for yeah but um yeah so i i guess you know in summary it's not that complicated um to price stuff but just hopefully the things that we've talked about give you something to think about um you know, it's a lot more than, oh, it cost me $10 in materials, so I'm going to charge $20, and hey, I just made 50% profit. Uh, no, um, it doesn't work that way. You've got to really take into consideration. And if you start from the beginning thinking about these things and the future and putting a little bit of money away for your marketing and for your ROI and your machine and how much money an hour you want to make, and if you're going to have future growth, put money away for that, um, you'll set yourself up, you know, Pretty good. I guess the flip side of that, though, is what do you do with the money once you get it? And that's where the diligent part comes in, right? So if you sell something for $40 and you said $12.50 is going towards your um, your uh, equipment ROI fund, right? If it was me, I would have one checking account and a bunch of savings accounts. And at the end of the day, when I make my deposit, I would figure out, okay, I need to put you know, $47.60 into this ROI account because that's what you've factored in. Um, most yeah, That people, could be a whole different episode. There's, there's a lot of apps though now, like if you do banking with Ally Banking, my wife just found it the other day where we can put a set amount in there and then it will automatically distribute to certain folders or whatever mm-hmm. it is. So there's like a vacation, there's a travel, mm-hmm. there's five different folders she created. You could set yourself yeah, up. Yeah, for... you can you just set the percentage. You don't have to think about it. You make the initial deposit and whatever banking application, institution, so on and so forth, they'll auto distribute straight to the folder or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah, but it is important. I mean, the other thing that's really important and I can we can end on this note is um you have to talk to an accountant to figure mm-hmm. out how much money in taxes you're going to have to pay on every dollar you make. So if you sell something for $100 and you're in a 28% tax bracket, 
That means that you should be putting $28 aside into some account you don't touch to cover your taxes at the end of the year. Or you don't get hit with a... Because let's just say you sell a thousand of those things, right? Now, all of a sudden at $28 a piece, you got a hefty tax bill that you've got to make. And uh, one common thing that a lot of people do is uh, they just, you know, you put all that money into your account and then you spend it. And then when April 15th rolls around, you get a tax bill and you don't have any money because you spent it all. So I learned that when I was younger, I, I did that a couple of times when we, when we had our first businesses because I, I never went to business school. I learned the hard way. Um, and now... Well, Harvard just got built at that time, right? Yeah, yeah, it was exactly, yeah. So, um, but now I can give this advice to my kids and other people that I know that are starting businesses. And like my, my daughter, we went and set up a checking account for their first checking account the other day. I made her get a savings account. And so that she had money from her paycheck that she put in there. And the lady goes, well, how much money you want to put into your savings from this? And I'm like, 50%. And my daughter looked at me, she's like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, because 50% of everything you make while you're living under my roof, you should put in your savings account. Right. Because you don't have any expenses. You're right. You're if, if she's going to take a job and she's going to make, let's just say she takes home 300 bucks a week. Right. Okay. She's going to have to pay for gas, which right now is, is probably 10 times more than she's going to be taking home. Um, and then she's, she has no car payment and she, she has her insurance. So she, as long as she covers $200 a month, $250 a month in expenses, you can do that on 50% of what you're making. So you should be putting, I have a friend that I grew up with that, um, that his parents from the time we both had uh, paper roots and uh, uh, he was in one part of the neighborhood, I was in the other and his parents made him save 50% of everything he ever made. And my parents never told me that. So I had more toys mm -hmm. that I bought with the money I had, but when he got his first car, he paid cash for it. And when he went and bought his first house, he paid cash for it. And um, to this day, right. I think we're, he's 49 now. To this day, he still does the same exact thing. 50% of every penny he's ever made goes into savings. And then, you know, as you get older, you, you, you invest it and don't just put it into a stupid savings account. But, you know, and I, I was like, wow. So I learned something from him and what his parents taught him just unfortunately half a lifetime later. So I, I, I tell my kids to, to do that. And, um, you know, my daughter's like, why do I need to do it? Because someday you're going to want to buy a different car and you're going to walk in a dealership and just write them a check and not have to worry about interest rates or getting approved for loans and stuff. So, um, yeah, th these are things, but in a business, you got to do the same thing. You got to think about it. Like I am with my 16 year old daughter, you got to plan for everything and you got to make sure you're putting money aside into the right buckets so that you don't get screwed when you times to pay somebody fair enough but unfortunately yeah so your your question of how do you price things there's a lot to it <laughs> yeah we might have to do a part two of this because this is this is good stuff you know and like i said for some that might sound elementary but for for others that have never really gone through this that have never started a business you know do we need an llc do we need to what do we do do we set ourselves up as what does it mean to be a business these are all great questions that you know, hopefully we can uh go from there yeah. I, uh, yeah, I think we should, we should do that. I encourage anybody, if you have any questions, if you agree or disagree, or maybe we 
gave you some idea about something that you didn't normally think about, um, leave us a comment, send us an email, let us know. Cause, um, we love reading that stuff. And, uh, not everything we say is, is gospel. It's just meant to, um, give you some ideas and some food for thought. And, uh, hopefully that helps. So that pretty much wraps up this episode. And, uh, we will uh, talk to everybody next week. Thank you for listening to the Think It, Make It podcast. Be sure to tune in next time for more great CNC router content.